Welcome to Podcast for Columbus, recording live from all over the greater Columbus region. I've been told I need to be accurate. Um, on September 13th, 2020, um, I'm Todd Fichtenberg at Todd33, and with me is at Dakota Stewart, oops, sorry, at Dakota Stewart and Cam McKay, at Cam McKay 97. Um, we are trying to do technological things during this fun, fun pandemic. So. If this is not your typical quality, I apologize. Blame me. Don't forget to use the hashtag AskP4C and go to anchor.com slash anchor.fm. Man, I'm already doing terrible. Slash podcast for Columbus for all of our listening links, including Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. And with that, um, let's get right on it. Kick off. All right, so this is a segment where we review the most recent match. We've had three games since we last talked. We don't need to spend too much time on them, but um, I will call this the curse of the podcast episode because every time we record, we had we pooped the bed. So we had two great games, and then I said, hey, let's record, and then we pooped the bed. Um, the game on September 2nd, um, the crew beat Philly 1-0 um, in the 55th minute with a goal from Lucas, um, assisted by Santos and Artur. I'll be honest, I did not watch that game, so I don't, <laughs> I don't have a ton to add. Uh, if you want to talk general. You know. Imagine not watching the game. I know. I, I couldn't. Sad. I, I couldn't. I mean, it was a good game because we got a good result. By the way, did they actually play well, or was it just like the, a one-off type? Um, I mean, it was it was a lesser ideal performance than what we've seen before, but still like – I don't. I, I feel like it was a more challenging type game than what we had previously in the other matches. So it, it was good all around. Yeah, it was all right. Um, the goal was good. It was a deflected goal, but I mean, it was still a good goal, um, and it was pretty exciting when it went in. Um, it was a pretty like. It's it's one of those games where it's like I don't think we played bad at all but it, it wasn't a great, it was a very average performance, I guess I would say. Yeah. All right. And then the game I did watch was on the sixth. We played Cincy and beat them three, nothing. This is the worst cliche in soccer, but it was a tale of two halves. The first half was so boring. It really was though. Like, honestly, there were like two separate games pretty much. <laughs> it was horrible. I thought, Oh man, I can't take it anymore. And then the second half we blew up, uh, Santos scored one assisted by Diaz in the 52nd. Um, Zardes got one in the 64th, assisted by um, Santos. And Zardes got another in the 71st. Um, yeah, so but I was excited the, for Santos getting that brace. The thing specifically with that game, it being a tale of two halves, it is pretty much all comes down to the subs that were made because uh, Fernando Adi started that game at striker, and then we had Diaz was on the bench. Uh, so he, he did not start that game. Uh, so when Diaz came in, it actually changed the whole dynamic of the game. We were much more attacking uh, because before uh, because previously, before that in the first half, we just really couldn't create anything in the final third. And then when uh, Fernando Adi got subbed off for Jesse Zardes, that was just like another great addition to to our attack. Obviously, with Jesse scoring both of the goals or uh, two of the three goals, it was just it was fantastic. Yeah, but it, yeah, I would totally agree. Tale two halves. First half was very similar to the Cincinnati game from a week prior. Um, really, just slow in attack. It was kind of just reliant on 
Darlington Nagby trying to create everything. Uh, Santos and uh, Eunice um, didn't really offer much on the wings at all. We were a little bit more creative than we were like in the first game against Cincinnati. Well, not first this year, but the week before. Um, I thought Adi was all right. Like he, he definitely did some things that impressed me. Um, but just whether it was the players surrounding him, that whole kind of group that was in there in that first half just did not really – it really didn't even make any sense from a tactical standpoint. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, in the second half you saw it like Cincinnati's like – they did attack more in this game, but still for the most part are kind of bunkered back. We bring in Luis Diaz. He instantly kind of breaks that open because – he gives us like some pace along the right side that we didn't have in that first half really kind of opens up the game kind of with his pace draws defenders to him, which kind of frees open the area for everybody else. And I mean, we kind of just dominated the second half really. Um, and I mean, it was Pedro looked good on the left. Milton looked good clicking with him up and down the left. Diaz on the right was great. Zardes subbed on. I mean, it was a really good second half. I completely forgot Adi started this game. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, and I mean the the thing that uh, with Adi, like Cam said, like he really didn't have a bad game. But I, if Adi is going to start another game in in the future, if something uh, so happens to happen to Zardes, I think it would be better to see him with a Diaz starting instead of the uh, what we saw here with Mokhtar and Santos on uh, both sides on the wing. So I think if he has. I don't know, maybe a more dynamic attacker like Diaz or heck, even Etienne or Boateng with uh, just some some guy with speed that's not Mokhtar and Santos on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, Adi's not, I mean, I don't think Zardes isn't necessarily much of a much of a burner either, but I mean, Adi's very slow for a, for a yeah. striker, which is not necessarily a bad thing. There's definitely a place for it, but he kind of needs to be surrounded with that kind of that energy and pace because he needs players that he can kind of play off of that can kind of do the running for him in a sense. Um, and I think Santos and Mokar just weren't really that. It just kind of led to a lot of, a lot of sloppy turnovers because really the three of them up there with Nagby and behind, they're just, it was really just relying on Nagby kind of doing everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I would agree. I think, I think Adi definitely could be even more of a threat with a Diaz. And then, I mean, even with, Lucas, if we'll get to that later, but hopefully he uh, can kind of get back. Yeah, because yeah, um, lack that creative. Oh, sorry, go ahead. That lack that creative uh, element because Adi wasn't really creating anything. He wasn't really doing anything wrong, but he wasn't doing anything like special. Um, right. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, starting Eunice and Santos, it's just like you have too many players that played uh, a build up style play, and you don't really have that, that guy that just makes the bullet line run down the sidelines that you can just look and put a good pass and then he'll create something. So I think that if, if we get one of those type of players with Adi, I think that'll make all the difference. Yeah. The, yeah. The thing with Santos and Mokhtar is it's just, it's, it's almost, especially with the other players that were in there with the night game, it's just almost too much of the same thing. And once the defense kind of figures out how to stop it, there's just not much they can really do. Like the defense kind of knows what they have to do to shut it down. And there's no adjustment that can be made like with that group of players. Um, so yeah, I mean, personally, I would never even start them together. Um, that's just, I mean, that might, I mean, I wouldn't start them together with Luis Diaz 
playing well, I guess is what I would say. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think – go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, question, is there anybody else you'd put up top? Like I know Adi's the our backup striker, but would there be any of the wingers that you would say, hey, let's put them up top, see what happens? Uh, not really. I mean, I think – I think, I, I mean, Zardes is obviously the main guy. I think Adi's clear-cut number two. And I think, I mean, before I went, like, I, I've seen some weird suggestions, but, like, on Twitter. But before, you know, I messed around. Before I messed around with, like, somebody like a, like a winger or somebody up top or a false nine, I would, I would even go with, like, Jordan Hamilton or bring Miguel Berry back before I would mess around with, like, Lucas or Pedro as a false nine and, I saw somebody on Twitter suggesting Diaz and oh my god! I mean, that sounds good. <laughs> for my, it might, might sound good from like a FIFA perspective of getting your fastest guy in the middle to get him in behind. But like, I mean, I love Luis Diaz. He's probably the worst finisher like of the attackers on this team. It just wouldn't make any sense. So I, I mean, he'd be like, I just think he's obviously a better player, but like, that's what, if I said Finley put Finley up top, I feel like that'd be a exactly. situation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I pretty much think the same thing. Like, it, it's going to be Adi coming in for Zardes no matter what at this point because Hamilton, we haven't seen a minute from him at all this season, not even in preseason, I don't think. And then, obviously, with Miguel Berry out on loan with San Diego, he's not going to be an option for this year anyway. So Scoring I, goals, by the way. Yeah, well, USL goals, <laughs> which don't directly translate. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's good for him that he's he's doing good out there so far. But, yeah, yeah. Um, with Zardes, I think the only guy that we have right now that can honestly replace him would be Adi. Yeah, and so a brace for Zardes, and he had just come off from having another child. Um, my favorite stat was that there were zero shots on target for Cincinnati. Um, and also, this was a game where they actually played for the first time since March. Um, they had 1,500 fans in attendance. I'm personally not ready to go back, but um, but it was kind of fun to see that they actually stopped the crowd noise during the, the uh, broadcast and went with the 1500 fans. So I thought that was a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. It was nice to like hear an actual crowd yeah. and see a couple of crew fans. Um, so yeah, it was nice to kind of get a little bit back to normal, I guess. And then yesterday we played the Chicago fire. They actually were in Chicago at soldier field um, where Cam and I saw Dortmund and man city. It actually wasn't a terrible venue for soccer, um, but it's actually Chicago, not Bridgeview. Um, I guess before I start, obviously we drew that game. Um, what were your general impressions of that match? Um, I guess another tale of two halves. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, first half was absolutely atrocious um, from all kinds of standpoints. Our defense looked the worst that they've looked the entire year. Aloy was not that great in the on the first two goals for Chicago. Um, just just a disaster, honestly. Midfield was bad. Uh, Alashe and Artur weren't clicking like we normally see with Nagby and Artur. So it was it was pretty pretty terrible. Uh, obviously, missing Lucas and missing Darlington, you can definitely tell how much they really bump up the team and carry us forward. Yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, like like you said, Lucas and Nagby, I think they really are kind of the glue of this team. Like, for this team to be, like, at its perfect best, like, those are the two guys who, like, kind of they're – the, they're the pieces of the puzzle that make it look good. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I'd say it, it's, a, it's such a weird game because I left the game feeling like 
happy because I was like, man, like that was a great, that was a great draw, just all things considered. But like we really like, if you put any like high quality attacker on that, like on the front of that Chicago team, like they maybe score seven, eight goals. Like they had so, so many clear cut chances and it was really concerning because I mean, we gave up more chances in that game than we have in every season or every game combined this year, which for me, I think some of that was just down to the midfield. Like I think we really did miss like having a presence like Nagby because like Alashe was all right, but like Arthur really playing out of position in that kind of six role, like he just like looked like caught out of position, lost. Like Chicago was just getting a lot of chances on the break that were kind of via Artur or either of the fullbacks kind of just being not where they should have been. Um, center backs are all right, but like I was, I was very concerned with the amount of chances we um, gave up throughout the match, even in the second half. But the fact that we were able to like get two goals late like without our two best players on, like on the road, not that there's necessarily a crazy environment, but they still got to travel there. Um, I, I was, I was happy, like I was happy with the point, but it's just weird. Cause it's like, I do think even with the players missing with that lineup, we should have done better, but all things considered, it feels good. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And one thing I would like to point out, um, just looking at a little bit of stats from the game, in, in our previous match against Cincinnati, we completed 90% of our passes. And then in this game, without Nagby, without Lucas, um, our passing percentage was only 79%. So it's not – like 10, 11%, that's a huge jump uh, yeah. for, for passes completed. And, I mean, that's just a kudos to Darlington, like, for everything that he does for us, like, pretty much completing all of his passes that he makes. <laughs> so, I mean, without him – we definitely see where, where our weaknesses are. And I think that that's maybe good uh, that that's pointed out this early in the season. Uh, now that we're kind of uh, in that point where these games are really mattering as we try to rack up points and stay atop of the table. Yeah, I actually, um, I know I'm supposed to be central brigade, but I didn't view it as yay a point on the road. Um, I was actually a little bit alarmed that without our two best players that we, it was that much of a drop off. Like that alarmed me a little bit because they've been talking about all our depth and all that. Um, Cause we'll get to this later, but we'll probably start playing different teams coming up. And Chicago was literally the bottom of the table um, and crew was literally the top of the table. So that game, the first half, it did not look that way. Um, I guess I should talk about the lineup. You had uh, Zardas up top with Etienne Santos and Diaz um, in attacking mid. Um, then Artur Nalashe in the um, holding mid and then Valenzuela, Williams, Mensa, and Awful in the back, and room and goal. Um, I guess I should have brought that up earlier. But even in the first half, in the first 10 minutes, there were two shots that could have been goals from Chicago. Um, so I actually found that a little bit alarming. I was, I was proud of them for bringing it back because under Burhalter, there's no way we'd come back and fight and get a point. But um, I don't want to <laughs> – it's like being a, being a Southampton fan. You know, we're up 2-1, and then all of a sudden they tie it. I'm like, oh, yeah, we, at least we got a point. I, I don't know. It felt like a loss. Even though we came back, I was excited to see that second half. But I wanted to see, see us play two complete halves. Um, one I mean, of these yeah, like getting three points would obviously be ideal. But coming back from a down two goals, we haven't done that in years. Um, yeah. I saw a stat that said that the last time that we did that was in like 2014. So oh. 
for, for us to actually be able to grind it out and like come back and actually get something on the road in Chicago where we never win, I'm I'm completely fine with that. Like obviously, of course, I would have rather preferred all three points, but one is better than none. Yeah, I completely agree about being alarmed, particularly about the amount of chances. Um, just because I mean, like, there's a there's a scenario where we're just like absolutely embarrassed, um, giving them giving those chances that we gave. Um, I still kind of have the positivity of like, I do think that could could have been kind of maybe like a one off, like just weird, like maybe there. I mean. I, I almost feel like they kind of didn't, they kind of took Chicago lightly. Like they kind of came out and thought, you know, we're top of the table. This team's this team, we just beat them three Oh, a couple of weeks ago. Like, and it's also that, I don't know, maybe this is just me. I always feel like after, I don't know what the record is. I always feel like afternoon kickoffs are never good for us. I, I maybe that's just and a weird televised games. <laughs> Well, you national televised kind of maybe. No, okay. While, <laughs> while we're on that subject, I got so frustrated with all the crew people like complaining about this game not being like able to watch. It was on Twitter. Like on Twitter. all the all the people complaining were on the platform where they could watch it freely. Like no 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 complaints at all. But, yeah, and uh, actually, I really enjoyed the uh, the the announcers too. Am I listening in English? Obviously, they were kind of. It's a step up opinion, to what we used to listen to. Yeah, I mean, like in my opinion, I think that they were pretty Chicago biased uh, with with their comments, but it it was good. Like they actually talked about the game and stuff that was happening. Had like a lot of information about both teams, so it's always always good to hear that while you're watching a game. Yeah, once again, yeah, not- they made plans. So the first half I watched on TV, and I thought they did a great job. Did you listen to Spanish or the English? I watched on Twitter in English. Okay, I so I actually thought they did a really nice job of, of being pretty um, – unbiased is not really the word, but they didn't really feel like they had a dog in the fight. So I thought they called it pretty clean. I don't know about the second half, but then I would listen to Chris Doran um, driving to church, and he had uh, – he had – he's just the best play-by-play. Like, I literally, I felt like I was watching the game. So I feel like I, even though I had to go back and watch the goals, um, I didn't mean to cut Cam off in this new technology, so – Oh yeah, no. I was just gonna say, like, I, I mean, I didn't think they were the best. I thought, like, I, I was, I don't, I'm not familiar with either of the guys. I thought one of them, like, you could tell at the very least he did his homework, which you can't always say for certain big name MLS commentators on Fox and ESPN. <laughs> um, not gonna name names, but Taylor Twelman. Yeah, but uh. <laughs> But then the, it was also funny because I felt the, the other guy was kind of asking questions about the crew to to the other guy throughout the game, which was kind of weird to me. Um, but I mean, they were all right. They were there. It was kind of a more like fun kind of broadcast than like, uh, you know, professional suits on. But it, I mean, it was it was cool. Like I. I I'll be honest, like I don't I don't expect a whole lot when it comes to like commentary listening to like mls games and crew games right and i thought it was it was right there it was fine um i also don't mind having the game on twitter like because i mean i just you know make it full screen and watch it like a normal game on tv like i don't like because like for as much as crew fans gripe about not getting enough national media uh i don't know what's the word like viewership like the one time that we actually have it 
everybody still complained that it wasn't <laughs> good enough. <laughs> which is yeah, if we had a, it's like the MLS um, is back. Every game was on Fox Sports, and everybody complained we had no game on ESPN. I'm yeah, like, what? So freaking annoying. <laughs> Just be happy. The thing I can't figure out how to do, maybe I have you young kids help me. Um, I couldn't figure out how to get Twitter on my TV. So I was like, I had to watch it on my iPad, and that I was a little disappointed that I had well, to watch it on 12 inches instead of 55. <laughs> what I do with it, I just have a Fire Stick, so I just open the Internet Explorer app on the Fire Stick, and then just go to Twitter and make hmm. a full screen. Hmm. I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you want to talk about the Chicago goals at all? Uh, or do you want to skip those? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it was just the crew, like, honestly not prepared. The first okay. goal went straight through. Arthur in the midfield, like just wasn't putting on enough pressure. Milton got beat on the side. Josh Williams was caught out, couldn't get back uh, defensively. And then it was just an easy cross. Harrison Offal was uh, out of position as well. And it was just an easy tap and goal for Chicago getting on the end of that cross. Yeah, that's what written down. Offal couldn't cover his man. Williams was in no man's land. I didn't really understand. It's like they fell asleep, kind of like you said earlier, like they were yeah. going to take the speed. I think Ailey was a little bit out of, uh, out of, uh, out of his spot too, because I, I think he was anticipating the first guy to make a shot instead of cross, and then he just completely left the goal open for the guy to tap it in. Yeah, I literally have like Arthur, Milton, Josh, Harry, like, like so. I, I agree. You guys, you guys said it. Yeah, All right, and then uh, the second one came like three minutes later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, and it's it bad. It came right after my tweet that I said, "Luckily, Hey Bears or Herbers, whatever you say, however you say his name, can't finish." Whoops. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so at least like, he he assisted Barrich. Um, oh, I mean, made yeah. a hilarious tackle where I was like, uh, it was just so failed. I was like, great. Yeah, like it was just pretty much the same thing. Like same side where the attack started. It was a Chicago throw-in. They did a little tiki-taka, beat out Arthur Milton. Josh was caught out again, and then I, it, it was like kind of almost an identical play cross in one tap goal like it was just completely terrible defending uh terrible positioning from columbus and good wake-up call i guess yep agreed and then again the subs made the made a difference um in 64th minute alasha defected a header from zardes um which by the way was a fantastic corner for santos i've been waiting for good crew corner corners for about six years um well that was like one of the two good corners that we had. Yeah. Like we had 12 corners this entire game and only two of them were semi good. Oh, and that's still like a better percentage than us in most games. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I thought when people took all the corners, it can't get worse, but it's uh, <laughs> wrong. Um, but yeah, that goes, it goes really cool though, because um, even though it was, uh, Alashe was credited with it and, and it was going to go wide um, based on the way it looked, but I, it was just a lucky deflection. I'm happy the kid got a goal, but uh, but Zardes and Santos did all the work in my book on that one. Yeah, and I mean the crew coming out second half, uh, like they they came out with uh, with fire because I I don't know what Caleb said to Ooh, him in the locker room, yeah. but uh, they came out created a couple of really good chances within the first uh, five ten minutes. Um, Zardes had a couple good shots. Luis Diaz had a shot that went straight to the goalkeeper, but it was good to get on it because it was a half volley, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, Shuttlesworth had to make a couple good saves from Zardes' shots. So, I mean, we came out in attack mode, and ultimately it it led to our first goal. So, happy about that. And then I thought, oh, well, we're going to lose this one 2-1. But on the 88th minute, um, Zardes gets the equalizer. Um, 
another actually fortunate kind of bump, but we want our, when Mokhtar took a shot that ping-ponged off several defenders and kind of stopped there, but that's what we want in a striker. We want them, him to be there in the right spot to get the ball, and he did. Scored the goal, um, right time, right place, and that's what you want to see. Yeah, that was, yeah the that, shot. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dakota. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, that shot is something that, is fantastic to see from Zardes because I maybe last year or two years ago he wouldn't have taken that shot and would have tried to just dribble it either closer to goal or try to get around the keeper, but he got it and pretty much for I, I think he did take one touch uh, just to set him up, but he hit it and hit it perfectly. So it was like it was great to see that from Zardes, very quick thinking on his part and worked out perfectly. Yeah. Um... The shot, yeah, uh, the shot from Eunice. Um, not much, not much I can say about the shot, but I thought Eunice made a pretty good impact yeah, playing on the right too, which we haven't seen much from him. We've seen him switch over occasionally, but he's mostly kind of been been along that left or kind of in the middle. Um, but I thought he looked really good on that right, and um, part of it was Chicago did weirdly with the lead went forward a couple times. Um, which kind of gave him a lot of space, but I thought he made a really good impact off the bench. And then, like Dakota said, I think with Zardes, like his finishing is just so on point this year. Like he looks like he's just a clinical striker. Like he's even had a couple goals this year that were, you know, were offside or whatever, where he still like buries it. And it's just yeah, like, three man, that one like, game, right? Wasn't it three offside just, goals? Yeah. Like he just like you give him the ball with like a little bit of space in the box, and he just like buries it, which is just something that like. I did not I, – I kind of thought last year and the year before was who he was, which I was still pretty happy with. But, like, he's gone up a level that I did not see coming to where, yeah. like – I mean, he is, like, in a really good stretch. We played a lot of games against Cincinnati, you know, Chicago. So, it's it's hard to say. Players go hot and cold. But, like, he's – if this was a full MLS season, he'd be on a pace for around 25, 26 goals, which, I mean – would be amazing. Obviously he's not going to get that because we only have like seven more games in the regular season. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been really impressed with Zardes this year, not to go on a tangent, but um, it was a good finish from him. And I was happy. I was, I was obviously happy that he scored it. Happy that we got the point. Yeah. He had to, it's like he had to shake off that um, uh, having to play fullback under uh, Bruce arena. So he finally <laughs> figured out what player he is. Um, the substitutions, again, kind of changed the game. 64th minute, Boateng came on for Diaz. 75th, Mokhtar came in for Etienne. And 81st minute, Adi came on for Santos. Um, any of those in particular you want to uh, talk about? I didn't really have anything specific. Um, I mean, I, I think that they were all the correct call. Um, I particularly like the Adi substitution in for Santos. Uh, Santos, unfortunately, had to go out due to injury. Um, so, Bringing, bring on an Adi instead of, I, I don't know who else he would have put on, maybe like Berhalter or some midfielder if he was <laughs> making the wrong call. Well, Berhalter could have been No, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like putting on Adi and like getting able or giving us that chance to see Adi and Zardes play together up top just to see what could happen, I think it opened up a lot more space for us. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I was impressed with all three of those subs. Um, None of them did anything crazy, but I think, like, Eunice, Eunice came in, brought some energy. Boateng got a couple tackles. Um, did, I mean, again, didn't really offer much. Like, 
offer anything, you know, goal assist wise, chance creation, but I thought both kind of brought energy like that we needed to kind of help lift us to get that, that final, that final push to time. And I mean, even try to win the game. Um, and then, I mean, Adi again, like still like hasn't quite broken through to where you're like, man, this is a great backup striker or anything like that. But he like, he just does like little things that I can appreciate that we never have quite had from a backup striker. I mean, we've, let's be honest, we've always, other than like the couple months with Olo and we still had Kai, like we've always had really bad backup strikers for the last little while. And I still don't think Adi is necessarily good or good or great by any means, but I think I feel a lot more comfortable with him coming on, you know, needing a goal to tie or win in a game than I have in years past out of strikers. Yep. Agreed. You made a good point too about it wasn't a, Striker for striker switch. It was uh, both Adi and Zardes staying on. Um, I like that experiment. Yeah, I think that was something we – Yeah, I think that's something I wish we could have done in some of our other results this year that didn't go our way, like the draw against Cincinnati and the loss versus uh, NYC. I think that would have been nice to kind of do that there too. But um, I think that's something that – I would like to see, you know, more of like, especially when we have guys like Lucas and Nagby still out there. Like, I think, you know, late in games, you need a goal that's audience art as up top is you can definitely do a whole lot worse than that. Yeah. And so uh, the referee, um, John Freeman was the ref. He was, from what I could figure out is his first MLS game ever. Um, I didn't have any gripes with him. Um, I thought he played it pretty fair. He played it pretty lenient, but he played it pretty, even at least. And I was talking to Cam a little bit, not recording, but um, but Porter constantly being in the ear, ear of the refs. Um, I find that super annoying. Um, I, but on the other hand, I found it annoying that Burhalter would be so passive and never, ever say anything. There's a time and place to scream at the referee, but it's not all game. Like, sit down and zip it. I don't want to listen to that all game. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of complete, like, opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And, like, there's that middle ground, which is what I would like to see. Um, but yeah, no, there was, there was a point in the match. We were losing at the time, so I was frustrated. But like Porter's just going at the ref on the sideline. And like there was not really anything in the game that was that like that was worthy of just like the ref just being. I mean, I mean, Porter, I mean, like it, you could p- pick up like it, the sound kind of went in and went in and out, but like. I was just like, what? Like, why? I was just like, why? Like, what are you so mad about? And it's, I've noticed that on a lot of games this year, where you get like little like glimpses of the sound, and I like, you know, when he sticks up for players. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like he especially takes it up a notch when we're not doing well as a team, which kind of frustrates me because I think it kind of distracts from the fact that he needs to do a better job. Like getting the team prepared and making adjustments. Um, like the Marino effects. Like, let me do everything yeah. I can to distract from how bad we're playing. And, and I mean, there were a couple games last year, uh, maybe a game or so this year, where it's like we put out a horrible performance and after the game he's just talking about the referee, which I don't think he did after this game. But that's just kind of a general feeling where it's like, all right, like there are going to be times where refs make horrible calls. There are going to be times where refs, have terrible games and they deservedly should be called out for it. But like, if you're just constantly doing it, even when it's a perfectly fine game or even a very highly like high class uh, 
rough job. I don't know if that's even a term, but yeah. uh, like, yeah, no. uh, it just there. I just see no positive to it, to be honest. Like, I mean, like especially in a game like yesterday, like I, I just and I've never really seen it in soccer, but there are definitely other sports where like coaches and players who do that it ends up negatively affecting them because they will end up just not getting any calls and refs kind of know like I'm gonna give this guy like short end of the stick tonight since he's always bugging me but I don't know that's just a minor complaint yeah the only other thought I had on that was um I was just gonna point out that that ref I'd seen that Orlando's coach was ticked off because he was a var at a game where he didn't overturn a penalty and then pro later admitted that it should have been overturned so i kind of like that if they make orlando mad i'm kind of kind of like that ref um if there are any other thoughts on the game the only other thought that i had was that we in the first half made shuttleworthless look so good i mean we kicked every ball directly to him <laughs> but other than that luckily we got the came out with the point um, i don't know if you had any other thoughts on that particular um match I mean, before we move on i mean he had a great save on a Jonathan Mensa header too. I think we might've already mentioned it off of like the second good corner that didn't go in. Um, and he had a couple other good saves. Like I, like it was a pretty good game. I think Shuttlesworth is kind of one of those, you know, American keepers where it's like, you don't want to pay, like you don't want to pay the big bucks or use a roster spot for an international. Um, so you end up, you know, having one of these rotating, 20 or 30 American keepers around the league that are all kind of hit or miss. And I think he just had one of his one good games out of, you know, every 10. I still hold that Finley red card in the playoffs in 2014 against him. So I enjoy when he fails miserably. Uh, What a terrible, like two legs that was. Oh man. I went to that game. Yeah, that was a, yeah. Anyways, um, but the table looks great. Columbus crew sit on top, 24 points. Um, and then in the relegation zone is Chicago Fire in 23rd with nine points, FC Cincinnati with nine points, San Jose with nine points. And for some reason, Miami's even worse with eight points. Um, as we talk now, um, SKC and Minnesota should be kicking off. Um, Vancouver and Montreal play tonight. LAFC and Portland play tonight. And San Jose and Galaxy play tonight. But none of them can are even in contender for top five. I think other than Minnesota could tweak up in there, but, uh, but I've heard it debated on other podcasts that there's not going to be a supporter shield this year, which I think it's all because when you open the app and when you go to MLS soccer, soccer, soccer.com slash standings, there's clearly a supporter shield button. So I'm not really sure why people think that. It wouldn't surprise me if Don Garber's just like, oh, Columbus is about to win it. Let's cancel it. <laughs> oh, do you think that's the reasoning? I thought maybe they're like, oh, well, it's a short season. We're not doing it. <laughs> I mean, it definitely, like, should, like, as much as I want us to win it, it definitely should have an asterisk next to it. Like, shortened season, they only played 18 games next to it. But I still don't know why you wouldn't have it. Like, yeah, I mean, like. Obviously, the like NHL played a lot more games than like I mean we're we're looking at half a season there. They played almost 80, 85, I don't know what it was percent of their season, but they I mean they still gave out all their yearly awards for team with the most points and you know it's just like if you're not going to give out the supporter shield, don't give out the golden boot either. Like yeah. I just I don't know. I think I think it'd be kind of dumb. Like there should definitely be a thing next to it that says you know shortened season, but I mean yeah. they should still give it out, and I would absolutely love to win it. Yeah, and I thought my thought, too, with the MLS is back, um, 
you know, obviously that tournament should have an asterisk too, but they get a Champions League spot. And so if that gives us extra gains once this pandemic is lifted and we can travel, um, I'd take it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just about to mention is Champions League. Uh, they still haven't finished out or even came up with a plan to finish out the remainder of the 2020 Champions League, which oh, is I didn't like know already that. halfway through. <laughs> so looking into next year, I don't even know like what teams are going to go or if they're just going to do one of those dumb things like they did years ago, like where you get a spot, but it's in two years. And I, I don't know. But right now, there's no clear-cut plan for anything Champions yeah. related. I've seen the kind of two years thing where we would get it not you know not february 2021 we have it february 2022 i also have seen it floated that again it might not be this year might be the following year um them expanding the Concacaf champions league to where like there i forget what the total number of spots was but it was like five mls teams or five u.s teams i think yeah i think it was five or six american teams like not even counting the canadian teams um well, that's Which, what I mean, I'd... we'll just make it a Canadian tournament, you know. <laughs> That'd be so freaking dumb. Like, yeah, that's that's just frustrating me. Like, the whole uh, Toronto playing Va- or Vancouver and Montreal, like, what, six times now? Easy to rack up points, even though they dropped points a bunch of times. It's yeah. Just, uh, not, not really the fairest of the groups. Yeah, I think the same could be said about us, though, playing Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, but it's not like we're, we're playing the same two teams every time we, at least we've had like a little bit of a just, variety. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Regardless, I think everything this year is a little bit flawed. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I still would be very salty if Toronto won the supporters yeah, shield yeah. playing only two other teams. <laughs> All right. Starting 11. We're high tech here today. I like that. Um, this is a segment where we give the players ratings with four being the worst, six being average. So if we get right into it, um, starting with Zardos, um, I can't hate on him too much because he did end up getting the kind of goal and a half. Um, but I know I'm sometime, I'm supposed to be sometime brigade, but I'm like, man, we should not have been down to nothing. Um, so I gave him an eight. Yeah, I'm going to give him a 7.5. Um, <laughs> I've like, the goal was great. The header across goal was great. Other than that, did he do a whole lot? I think he was fine. Um, I've seen him play really good games this year, so I feel like 7.5 is I – mean, I feel like that's fair. I feel like I'm being fair. Um, I'll give him a flat eight. I think he played well, uh, got us the point. Um, and, I, I mean, his hold-up play has been fantastic this year, and we saw that again. Um, he had a couple of really nice dribbles, a uh, couple good passes, good on his touches. So I think he was probably our best player. All right. And so moving on to Etienne, um, starting with Dakota. Um, kind of weird uh, performance from him. Um, didn't really do too much personally, like getting into the attack, but uh, he had some good midfield play and the, um, you know, trying to get the ball moving forward. Um, I don't really recall him giving up the ball anytime, but I'll give him a seven for this game. Yeah, I'm going to give him a six. Um, by no means was he a disaster, but I also didn't really feel like we got that much from him. Um, yeah, six. I gave him a six, too. I think that that shot in the first minute 
um, that was just so clearly off target. It just epitomizes his game. It's just not there yet. I hope it gets there one day, but um, he, he frustrates me a lot. Um, so I didn't see too much out of him. Um, Pedro Santos. We'll start with Cam on this one. Oh, yeah, Pedro. Uh, I'm going to give him a seven. Um, I think it was kind of a lackluster game for him in the attack, despite other other than the two corners. Um, I still thought he worked pretty hard off the ball, which he, he normally does. He's normally one of our, like, kind of harder working, more energetic players. Um, it was a pretty standard, like, I don't know. He, he was all right. Like, I'm going to give him a seven because of the good – um, good service into the box from the corners. Other than that, he was pretty kind of pretty average to below average, but not bad. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go a little higher than that, uh, seven and a half, um, just for the fact that he was playing out of position, um, trying to cover for uh, Lucas and Darlington, who are both out injured. So I think him stepping up into that position, even though we saw him a bunch play there last year, um, but still just like changing so drastically this year, I think, I, I think he did a good job uh, dis- distributing the ball. Uh, he had great passing uh, stats, completed 88% of his passes. Uh, like Cam mentioned, he was good off the ball as well. So I'm happy with his performance. Uh, for me, for Santos, um, maybe it's because of a high expectations for him. I found him to be disappointing. Um, I was hoping for a little bit more out of him, especially with Nagby and Lucas missing. So I went a little bit lower and gave him a six and a half. Um, and then Diaz, oh, great. I start with myself, so I probably put my foot in my mouth. But I just was not impressed this game. I know he can have that speedy awesomeness happen. And we didn't really do well until we got subbed off. I gave him a five. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to give him a six. Very similar to Etienne. Um, I thought, like, to me, he's still 100%, like, should be a locked-in starter every week. I mean, even with, like, yeah, he played great off the bench, but like he, sh- I think he should be a starter every week. Um, and the game against Chicago doesn't change that for me. Um, but yeah, no, I mean he lost the ball a lot, um, and I mean really was kind of that he was in the game really when our attack just was not able to put anything together. He was, I mean, for the most part, was kind of shut down. He had a good play here and there, um, where he dribbled past, dribbled past the left back, and kind of put in a. Pu- put in a cross that got cleared but um just not not a very not a very good game from Diaz for what I expect from him but like he wasn't horrible did a had a couple good hustle plays here and there um it it was kind of I mean kind of what we got from a lot of the team yeah I I would agree with that I would give him six as well I think it was just a pretty average performance I just didn't really see him get too involved in the game um except for that one shot on goal uh, that was a deflection from a Jossie shot, I believe. Um, but aside from that, he didn't really offer too much going forward. So yeah, it, it was good to see him start. Um, definitely he got confidence from the previous game. Um, so hopefully he can carry that forward into the, this weekend. Yeah, and I do enjoy his um, religious tweets, um, his God-oriented tweets. I was cracking up, though, because I went on the podcast account. and must have different settings, and it says – uh, Luis Diaz liked by Coda Andre Stewart and 13 others. This tweet might include sensitive con- content. I'm like, what? So I opened it up on mine and it says, we leave everything in your hands, God. So apparently Twitter thinks that any mention of God is offensive. So I thought That's that was cool. interesting. <laughs> good times. Getting shadow banned by Twitter. Poor Diaz. 
Um, our tour, starting with Dakota. Um, I think it was probably one of the worst games that we've seen him play this year. I'm going to give him a five and a half. Um, played a big part in both of Chicago's goals. Um, not really putting on the pressure in midfield. Uh, definitely could see where he wasn't uh, clicking very much with Fatai Alashi. Um, so I think that's really where he needs to step up. If he does have to be the leader on the field in the midfield, if for whatever reason Darlington Nagby is out for the next couple games, um, he's got to be a little bit better. Yeah, um, I'm going to give him a 4.5. And I think the only reason I'm going to give him that 0.5 is because I do think he is really just kind of a pure number eight. And he was being asked really to play a six yesterday, constantly kind of slotting between the center backs. Um, Alasha is definitely going forward a little bit more. Um, he just like, I think there was one other game this year that I rated him pretty low. And I think I said it was one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Um, he just, he's really good, like 75, 80% of the time. But like yesterday, he just, he was just a step slow to everything. They just constantly just had players that were just running right by him or passing right by him. Like he was just constantly kind of stuck or out of position. I thought he didn't really do himself um, very well on either of the, either of the Chicago goals and numerous other chances. Um, I think it is one of those things where it's like he's just going to – the player he is, the age he's at, kind of the process in his development, he's going to have these games every once in a while. And I also think not having, you know, a Nagby or even a Lucas, like, in that kind of midfield area to kind of calm things down, I think he kind of got lost a little bit yesterday. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I I feel good about him still, like, going forward. It's not – I'm not alarmed by anything. It's just a pretty, pretty poor performance from him. Yeah, I said I didn't see anything I hated or loved. I did give him a small benefit of the doubt because he hasn't really played that much with Alasha yet. Um, so I, I gave him a six, which seems pretty generous. But yeah. uh, and then so Alasha is next. Uh, we'll start with Cam on him. Would you kind of? Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a five point five. I think overall, like kind of the thing with our midfield, Arthur and Alasha yesterday is like they were. I, I think they were dominated. Like, I think Chicago's midfield just completely outplayed them for really the entire match. Um, and I think, like, I honestly like him. I like the acquisition. I like little things I've seen from there. He scores the goal, which, like, is nice. It's hard to give him – it's hard for me to give him any credit for it. Like, yeah. really good being right, right place, right time. But it's not like he scored, you know, some amazing goal from 20-plus yards. Like, it was – right place right time like good to finish off the goal um even if he even if he didn't mean it good to finish off the goal um but still like as a midfielder I don't even necessarily like feel like I can give him that many points for a set piece goal um so yeah I mean he was he was all right but again like him and Arthur were kind of the culprits of what was a really bad passing game for us where our midfield just kind of had no control of the game yeah, I thought the same on the goal. It was kind of a, more of a lucky deflection than a goal. Um, and I thought he was poor positionally, but I feel like he gave a lot of fouls away. I didn't look up the stats if that's true or not. Um, but I do give him some benefit of the doubt because he's newer, uh, but I gave him a five. Um, Valenzuela, oh man, he's my buddy. But I just saw some really disappointing defensive mistakes. He did kind of come back from it, but I only gave him a five and a half. That's probably the lowest rating I've ever given Milton. 
uh, for Milton, I I don't think it was his best game, obviously, uh, especially getting caught out um, on one of those Chicago goals. Um, going forward, he was pretty good. Had, I mean, good uh, good possession going forward, like he always does. Um, I would probably just give him a six for this game. Pretty average. Wasn't anything spectacular. Yeah, I'm going to give him – I'm going to give him a five. Um, I think attacking, like, I thought he was pretty good. Um, that's one thing with his game this year. He's really kind of improved from his – obviously didn't play last year, but from his first year um, is the attack. Like, he's much more of a threat going forward than he was overlapping, kind of just patrolling that left side. Um, but he's just, like – Overall this season, I think he's just been really up and down. And I don't know if that's the injury or the way Porter's kind of constantly tinkering with the team or what what it is. But, like, I just want to see more consistency from him. And I want to see the defender that we had his first year here. I want to see that. Like, I just want to see him shut people down and just swear. Like, and I mean, and, and I'm sure it'll, it'll come. But um, he was just pretty bad on both of the goals and a couple other chances. And. Um, it was a little disappointing. Yeah, one thing to add on that, and the same could be said about Harrison, is with them both being such uh, attacking-minded defenders, having that player or having that lack of player like Nagby who can help on the defense, I think that really hurt us in this game. Having both Harrison and Milton go forward uh, when when we don't really have that kind of presence that Nagby brings, uh, I think they probably should have sat back a little bit more than than they normally do. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they were kind of left for dead by the midfield a couple times. Yeah, so in that note, um, what's the rating for Awful? Um, I gave him the same as Valens, the five and a half, same, pretty much the same reasons. Um, I hadn't really considered the, the Nagby um, option there that, you know, they kind of were left hanging on defense. Um, yeah, for, for Harrison, I would probably rate him the, the same as I did Milton, probably just give him a six. Um, he did have the one yellow card. Um, kind of dumb, really. But uh, other than that, he was good in the attacking portion, but then got caught out. Uh, that first Chicago goal, he was way out of position, couldn't get back in time, and that unfortunately led the um, Chicago attacker just get uh, the perfect foot on it for the goal. So wasn't wasn't the best performance for him defensively. Uh, we know what he can offer in the attack uh, like he does every game, but pretty average performance from Harrison. Yeah, following suit, I gave him same as I gave Milton. Um five um i mean i thought it was pretty bad for harrison i mean he's never especially recently he's never been a player that's put up like these great performances like he's been pretty kind of steady which i do also do appreciate because you kind of always know what you're going to get from him that like that like he's just very like serviceable at this point in his career and he just wasn't he just wasn't yesterday um so yeah i mean yeah, same as same as Milton, kind of everything I said there. It's just like maybe it was just kind of down to the circumstances. The whole team kind of had an off day. Sometimes it – I mean, sometimes the whole team is just affected by something and it just kind of goes south like maybe it did yesterday. Um, so yeah, five. Um, but, again, just like – I mean, just like most of these players, like I didn't see anything concerning from anyone individually. Yeah, so Josh Williams, I think uh, the points that you made earlier about the fullbacks being kind of left high and dry, um, I think he was exposed. Um, I don't understand the Josh Williams hype. I'm not on the Josh Williams hype train. Um, His actions directly led to both of the goals as well. So 
I gave him a five, which actually might be kind of generous as I look at my notes. Uh, yeah, for Josh, I think in this game, he was probably the worst player, the worst I have rated. Um, I've given him a five as well. Um, definitely his worst performance that we've seen this year, which is pr pretty harsh to, to say because in the past couple of games that he's played, he's been pretty great. Um, but definitely a step down this game. Not really sure what happened. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't really know what's going to go, what's going to happen going forward because we saw that when Booba made his mistake, letting the, the goal against New York, he was benched and Josh was uh, given the position going forward. Now let's just see if the same happens with Josh going forward, since he kind of had a, a hand in both of the Chicago goals, if he will uh, get replaced by Booba this weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have him as a five. Uh, it wasn't, he just wasn't very good. Um, I think like you said about uh, Booba, I thought personally, I thought Booba should have started yesterday. I'm mainly just because with the amount of switches he's kind of making in other positions, I just thought like get Booba in there, making sure he's stay, making sure he's kind of staying ready. Cause he hasn't played a lot, hasn't started the last few games. Um, and I just think, like, even, even like, against a team like Chicago, like, I and missing Nagby and Lucas, I thought having a center back like uh, Keita, who definitely is, like, probably one of – I mean, Jonathan's pretty good, but one of – he's a very good passer for a center back compared to Josh. I thought that might have helped a little bit. But anyways, Josh, like, he kind of is what he is. Like, he's going to have games like this. He's going to have games like Cincinnati where I thought he was pretty good. Um, he's going to have games where he's just kind of average. Um, I I really would like to see Abubakar Keita kind of play more because I think our ceiling as a team is much higher with him starting than Josh because Josh, I think, at this point, is just kind of a serviceable veteran who's going to kind of every three or four games is going to have a game like this, and I just <laughs> would rather, like, not have the opportunity for that to happen. <laughs> Yeah, and I think Josh is also a little bit more, uh, you know, he can shine when he's got talent around him type player. Um, yep. So not to hate on him because he's got beautiful eyes. But um... <laughs> And then Jonathan Mensah, I thought he was the better of the, the center backs. Um, but we still did give up two goals, so I gave him a six. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, definitely had a better game than Williams uh, in the center back pair. Pretty average ma or average performance from Mensa. I would give him a six as well. Wasn't really too hot on his passing. Only completed 66% of his passes, um, but had that shot on goal from the corner, which was great to see him get the head on on target. Unfortunately, it was right at Shuttlesworth. So, but good performance from Jonathan. Yeah, I think the I think the passing again can go back to kind of the missing players are missing because I think. He yeah. usually is up there with passing passing percentage because I think he's making much easier passes in those games. And yesterday, due to the lack of kind of ability that we had on the field, I think he was forced to make tougher passes than he normally has to. Um, and so I think that'd be a reason why. Not saying that that's an excuse for him, but um, I think yeah, yeah, I'd have him as a, I'd have him as a six too. I don't think there's any particular like horrible mistake that he made compared to like the rest of the defenders and midfielders um but at the same time like as a center back and I mean part of it too he's a leader like we just gave up too many chances for me to rate him any higher like as, like as a center back I know you as, as I know one player can't control everything but like 
he's got to take a hit. Like, even though it didn't appear he was that bad, he's got to take a hit when we're giving up that many chances, two really bad goals to concede. Um, I just expect better from the defense led by him. Yep, agreed. All right, and then finally, Eloy Room. Um, he did give up two goals, uh, made some stops in the second half. It's always hard to rate a goalkeeper who's made saves and given up. Um, so I would just give him, you know, above average seven. Yeah, for Room, um, wasn't his best performance. Had four saves. Probably could have done better on both goals. Uh, first one, like like I mentioned before, he was kind of out of position, um, in my opinion, maybe just anticipating a sooner shot. Uh, second goal kind of just muffed the ball. I, he he did get a touch onto it, but it was just really powerful from from uh, from Burich, Burich uh, the attacker for Chicago. So wasn't really the best performance we've seen from him, but he still kept us in the game with his four saves. Yeah, I, I yeah I kind of agree with that assessment. I'd probably give him a I'd probably give him a seven too. Um, like you said, Todd, um, I think. He gave up two goals, and I think I would agree he could have done better on both. But then also, on the other hand, with the saves, I think he made some saves in the second half that I really thought were going to be goals and could have, would have been goals with a lot of goalkeepers in that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I give, I'm going to give him a seven. Like, he was kind of – it was a very roller coaster like match for him. Hydration break. Crew in the news. This is a segment where we usually talk about. Oh, how do I stop? There we go. This is a segment where we usually talk about uh, injuries or crew in the news related to. I mean, news related to crew players. Oh, that didn't go well. Um, the one thing I wanted to bring up. So we all know Rumhor's out for four to six months. Um, the Lucas Nagby thing. This coyness of. Porter with the injuries, it drives me nuts. I don't know if this is something that international coaches do, but even before the game, Jacob Myers, Max's best friend, tweeted, Lucas Oran and Darlington Nabge out with, out with minor injuries and will be back in the next several weeks. First of all, I think that's terrible wording. Yeah. It's very vague. Yeah, so I'm not going to blame Jacob on this. I think that's the front office. Like, okay, so they're quote-unquote minor injuries, but they're going to be out, quote, several weeks. So I don't understand. As a fan, it's annoying to me. I don't understand. Clearly, Chicago wasn't fazed by the fact that there was no Lucas and there was no Darlington. So I don't understand why he plays games with the, the injury sheet. I, is this a t- common tactic? I don't know. It drives me. What do you guys think? I, me personally, I don't really recall seeing that anywhere else. Um, kind of a kind of annoying and pretty frustrating to like not be in, in the loop. I mean, I, I know we can't have all the details, but I mean, we're passionate fans. We pay our season tickets. We I mean, we support the club as best as we can. And I think being in the loop is kind of a big portion of that. Like we want to be part of as much as possible. So not them not even be mentioned as questionable on the yeah. team sheet. I think that's pretty annoying. I, Lucas was me- uh, mentioned as questionable, but Darlington Nagby, that was like completely out of nowhere that he wasn't even anywhere near the 18. It, it's also just the annoying thing for me is just the difference of reporting and how it changes almost like every day where it's like, Okay, yeah, Lucas is questionable to play. Yeah, I think he'll probably play. Oh, now he might out might might be out for the coming weeks. I'm like, wait, what does that mean? Like, is he gonna is is there no chance he plays next week either? Or like, what's going on there? And I think with him, it's concerning because you know we spent so much money on him. We see the impact he's had when he's played. It's like, 
should we be scared that there's something like bad and like all of a sudden boom he's having surgery on something and out four or five months yeah because he just has a snagging injury or is it something where it's like we're just being overly cautious because we know we can get results even without him and we want him for an mls cup run it just i don't really know like with that and that's like a little it's just it's and maybe this is how it is like even for the front office but it's just it's weird how many twists and turns there are with this whole like Lucas injury thing where like we think he's fine. Did he get hurt again or did he re-aggravate? Like I yeah. just it's confusing. And then I think Nagby, it's right when he was probably wasn't in the lineup, it was reported as a knock. You know, he got a knock. But then it's like, oh, he's out a couple weeks. So it's like normally a knock is like he probably could have played if it was a really important yeah, game but... and it's just being cautious. But now he's gonna be out a couple like I just it's more of the confusion because like 99% of the time when players get injured, there's a pretty like standard. This is how long they're going to be out. Maybe we get lucky and it's a little more, maybe I'm lucky and it's a little less, but it's never like constantly kind of, cause it's almost like they're, they're trying to tell us that they don't know, yep. which is what's like frustrating. Cause it's like, okay, I can live with not having Nagby or Lucas for a couple games, but like, I also don't want to be like continually let on to like, Oh, they'll be back. Like, and then I don't know. It's annoying, but yeah, I'm more worried. I'm hoping. Yeah, go ahead. More worried on the other side that they do know it's going to be lengthy, but they're not telling people. And even though I don't plan on going to games in the near future, they are selling 1500 tickets. And I'm sure that seeing Lucas in person is a draw and it does, it just seems kind of shady. And from a law nerd perspective, I don't really know all the ins and outs and the rules, but I know there are rules about who you have to put on the injury list and who you have to put um, on the reserve list um, just for the sake of fairness and, you know, transparency. So I, I hope he's not running afoul of any of the rule MLS's rules that could cause us problems in the future. And, and Lucas was listed, so I wouldn't be concerned about that. And I think Nag, Nagby, the way it was originally reported, I wouldn't be concerned either because players miss games, you know, all the time. Like, just one game for, you know, a cautionary, like, picked up a knock or bump in training and just taking a game off, almost like a rest game, load management, as they would say in the NBA. But um, it's it's just – it's that wording by Jacob Myers and like I really hope that some that is the wording that somebody gave 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 him because like that is just so scary the way he said that like I was very alarmed when I saw that tweet because it just completely went against every everything else that I had heard right and so I I thought it was fed from by the front office and so I actually feel the opposite about you know, even putting Lucas on the quote-unquote questionable list. I mean, if they know he's going to be out for a, a lengthy period of time, that questionable, I don't know, it just, it just bothers me from all perspectives. I'm just glad I'm not the only one that thinks that that's nuts. Now, uh, Nagby, another thing too, now Nagby did travel to Chicago. Maybe okay. Lucas did too, I'm not sure. Um, and I do think the plan was for Nagby to play from what I understand. And uh, so – I'm still not too worried about him. It's the Lucas one that I'm kind of, what's going on? But anyways, I mean, I don't know how long you wanted to talk about this. I think we've kind of covered yeah. it. Yeah, I think so too. Listener questions at halftime. 
Yeah, so don't forget to use that hashtag AskP4C, and I'm talking to you, Todrick33. Don't forget to tweet that out. There's no questions today. See you next week. Final whistle. All right, so we actually, this is a segment where we discuss the upcoming match, and we actually have Phase 2 schedule announced. So on the 19th, which would be next Saturday, Crew play Nashville at home. Um, crew announced, again, 1,500 tickets will be available for that. Um, and then uh, in the 23rd, so four days later, we play, quote-unquote, at home again in Minnesota. Um, we played them during the tournament, but that was kind of, I think, we've already discussed this on previous pods. I think that was more of a, hey, we got the nine points we wanted. Let's not really care about this game. Um, yep. My boy Finley's out with a meniscus tear for three or four weeks. <laughs> I already had people ask me on Twitter, would you go to the game if Finley wasn't <laughs> wasn't uh, probably not <laughs> not right now maybe you know um, and then on the 27th we'll play Toronto at Renshaw Field um, in East Hartford Connecticut where University of Connecticut pl- plays football and we've already talked about them they've been playing mostly Canadian teams so I think it'll be a quote-unquote test game to see if any of these either of these two teams actually play well so I'm kind of actually excited about that game I hate Toronto I actually yeah. hope they lose 20 to nothing but yeah, and it's interesting that it will be in a neutral site, so no really yeah. home field advantage or anything, just a empty stadium, I'm assuming. I don't think that any people in Connecticut are interested in going to that game. Um, but, yeah, the other two games playing here in Columbus, I think that will be to our advantage, definitely against Minnesota. Um, I think they're probably the toughest team out of the next three games, um, obviously since they're close on the top of the table yeah. with us. Toronto as well, but uh, like we mentioned, they're only just playing two teams, so we really don't know what they offer. Um, overall, so it, it'll be it'll be a nice test. All three teams actually, even even Nashville, even though they're lower in the table, we saw with Chicago that anything can happen. And MLS, there's really no straightforward rule of what's going to happen. <laughs> if they are giving out a supporter shield this year, that Toronto game could be massive yep. because definitely. Um, I mean, we could go into that game either up by three points, down like tied, like we're going to be close in the table heading into that game with them. And after that, there's only four games left. And so like they take a lead or we take a good lead from there. Like that could be like the supporter shield, assuming nobody else kind of gets into that yeah. level. Um, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see it because Toronto's weird because they have a couple players that are pretty good, but when I've watched them this year, I haven't been that impressed. So I don't know. I mean, I'm interested to see because I think I predicted Toronto to be pretty good at the beginning of the year, and I just haven't kind of seen what I expected. But they yeah. also are getting points, so I kind of am. I, I am like pretty interested in that game, and hopefully, we'll have uh, our two best players back for that game. Yeah, and the thing about Toronto, I've actually watched um, most of their games um, just because they have been up at, uh, at the top of the table with us. So I just kind of want to keep an eye on them. But like the goals that they score, like a great majority of them are all flukes. Like the, the couple games that they've won, they've won by a single goal. And it was just like the dumbest mistake from the other team, either Vancouver or Montreal. And I'm like, we, we were this close to just keeping them away from us, but they just got lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's very Liverpool-esque from them. Yeah, Oops. for real. Well, do they get all the referee call, bar decisions if the Liverpool-esque? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> no co- no not, comment. Not, this is a crew not, pod, not, not a – Not that bad. Not a, <laughs> Not a trash EPL pod. 
Um, yeah, so for all the reasons you all already mentioned, um, the neutral sites, the possibility that it's far enough away to have all the people back, I think it's going to be our first real field, playoff field game. Um, so from that perspective, I am excited. I know that the league tries to tell this is one of our greatest rivals. Um, so, you know, be a great rivalry, quote unquote, rivalry game. But that is one I'm looking forward to. Um, but we play Nashville first. Um, I hate to say it because this is like famous last words, but I'm not really that worried about this game. It should be easy game. Should be should easy be. game. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't say exactly. it. But... <laughs> Chicago I don't really know that much about also. how they score. If they score. What's their... Uh... Nashville, uh, they're not too great. They've only scored two <laughs> goals on the road. Two goals. Um, yeah, and crew have a, by the way, have and... a 14-goal differential, even giving up those two goals. I mean, that's just, when is the <laughs> last time you've seen that? Not in my lifetime, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, if ever. Yeah, yeah I think that, yeah, I think Nashville, it's kind of like, if we're, like, if we struggle with them, like, I would, then I would kind of be concerned because, like, that's just a game where, like, at home, like, I just think we, we just – we don't have to win that game by a lot, but, like, they need to just – like, that's a game that I think you have to get a win in, like, again, with the aspirations of being as good as I feel we can be. Because um, they're just – they're just not that impressive. Like, there's not a single player on their roster that, like, puts any fear into me. Now, yeah. there wasn't on Chicago either, and they got, like, eight good chances against us. So, I don't know. But I, I don't know. I, Nashville is just like they kind of come into the league and they kind of are taking that almost I don't know they're almost taking that Cincinnati Minnesota route of like yeah. Miami. taking a couple taking a couple years to kind of figure it out rather than just kind of open up spend boatloads of money and be ready to go from the start yeah yeah Miami just needs to start a Gudo and then they'll win hey well they just the got player that they just cut yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just cut. Yeah, oh, did he, got, he got away. He got waived. He's a free agent. Um, <laughs> Already, man, at like twenty-two. That's, dep- that's Maybe he can come back and play for Crew too. I'll take it. Um, Miami did just sign uh, Gonzalo Higuain, though. Um, oh, that's official. Which I mean, uh, I don't think it's official, but officially official. official. Um, but yeah, he's gonna make like nine point something million dollars a year there. Um, to uh play on the beach and score goals. So, I mean, pretty good life for him. I would have liked to see him come down to us about four years ago and play for Columbus Crew, but, hey, yeah. it is what it is. I'm so, not mad. We have, jo- we have Jossie Zardes. He makes, like, $1.2 million a year and it's better, so it's fine. Do you think we'll have C. Federico go down to Miami, too? Nah. <laughs> I mean, D.C. is kind of a dumpster fire right now, but so is Miami. So, I mean, I, I, maybe he does go – maybe he goes there. But, like, I wouldn't expect to see him play there. <laughs> yeah, I thought DC waived him. Maybe not. No, he, uh, he's still there. I think he's, he's oh. still there, yeah. They just suck. Yeah, Miami's the, the, the city that everybody's – you know, we'll see the Ronaldos and the Messis. They're going to – if they ever come to MLS, it'll be Miami, I feel like. Um, they also have fans that beat up mascots, which is kind of messed up. But. <laughs> I not see that either, man. I got to – I gotta start paying attention. But one thing I will say about Nashville is, since they're the other yellow team, I I will riot if they wear yellow. Oh man, yeah, it has to be. Bad. We have to wear yellow. It has to be yellow versus navy or whatever the heck they are. If we don't wear yellow, whoever's in charge of making that decision needs to get sacked. <laughs> yeah, sacked. <laughs> Good word. Needs to be sacked immediately. <laughs> have you guys watched Ted Lasso on um 
It's on Apple TV. It's I have not. Jason I have it's actually Ted really Uncle. Cool. No, uh, Ted Lasso. <laughs> I know. I'm just Uh-oh. being dumb. <laughs> and uh, that's one thing I thought was funny. They do a really good job, with the, but they did say they did fire somebody. I'm like, wait a minute. You're supposed to say you're sacked. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I was just blah, 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 predictions, blah, blah, blah. We all predicted a win in Philly. Um, except for me, I predicted a tie. I will point out, though, that Max, he's not here today. But he actually Plastic. predicted correctly. I can't believe it. A one nothing win in Philadelphia. That's a, that's a first. <laughs> I know. And, but it puts him in the lead. <laughs> and then uh, we all predicted a, a win in Skint Cincy, so we get points there. And then we all predicted a win against the Fire, so none of us got points. But it's 4-3-2-1. Max with four. He's on the least podcast. Coda gets three. Yeah. Matt gets three points taken away because he's not here today. Okay. And because he didn't finish watching the game. He didn't wa- finish watching the game yesterday. Oh, man. Does that mean I get points taken away? Uh, no, you're the host. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have two and Cam has one. But, um, Yikes. You want to just go ahead and um, I could, we can say the odds of us. Well, I guess it is only, it's a week away. Um, but let's make at least preliminary predictions. We won't know the actual score. So this is how Max loses points. Um, nice. But I'm, I'm going all in. I'm going three zero crew <laughs> against Nashville. Uh, I'll say two zero. Ooh, am I allowed to say two zero too? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Two um, zero crew, just to specify. Yeah. All right. Well, we already talked about the the crew game. I mean, the net phase too. So. I mean, there's really no point in finishing up the other segments. We don't need to talk about how Southampton already lost their first game. Um, yeah, this is a crew podcast. Yeah. Um, I will point out, too, I, I do think it's cool that we're playing, quote-unquote, regional players or regional teams because as the MLS con- – or I said the MLS – but as MLS continues to increase the number of teams, I think eventually we're going to see some sort of regional – branch i don't i've heard it's pretty dumb honestly yeah the thing is i've been saying this for years because before i knew much about you know how promotion relegation works but if you look at like england and germany i mean they're small countries they're basically like a state and they have 100 million billion teams um so it works here we're so geographically laid out and if you add canada to the mix it's even worse um i hope they don't do uh, I think Alexi Lalas once said that they should have MLS 1.0 and MLS 2.0 where there's promotion relegation between the two. I hope they don't do that. Oh, right. I, would love, I would love that. Oh, that would drive me nuts. But that I would think be it'd great. be cool to do like an NFL style. You know, you've got the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. You play all your games I, in a table of 20 and then kind of yes. two different leagues. I, and then, I think that's what – I think what's going to happen is there's going to be 40 teams yeah. and it's going to be 2020 you're never going to play the teams in the West besides if you make the cup final or open cup. Um, Which is and so then dumb. within, within the 20 teams in the East, I think you'll also then be divided into different divisions where you'll play the teams in your division more often than the other teams in the East. Yeah. The only thing that I would take away from that prediction, like as well, is since in the last um, collective bargaining agreement, they bargained for a lot more chartered travel. So it would make it easier to do the Western Conference games. Um, but I don't know. I do hope we at least get to see Austin. Um, travel to Austin once to watch the crew win 27 to nothing. Uh, 90, let's say 96 to nothing. That's my prediction. I'm locking nice. it in right now. Um, 
But I don't know. Oh, I did want to point out too. Um, I'm gonna release this uh, Monday morning at seven. Um, but if you're a season ticket holder and you have not applied your credits to your 2021 tickets, and if you haven't bought 2021, 2021 tickets, why not? Um, yeah. But we get in the email for phase two tickets and buried, there's a tiny little link that said, click here to submit your request. And when you click the link, it says the deadline is the 14th, which is Monday, today, as you listen to this. So make sure that you request your credit transfer if you have not done so already. Um, yeah, just, just a another, little another example of poor communication from the yeah. front office to the fans. I'm hoping that what they meant was that it's before your payment comes out that they won't apply your credit to the September payment. I hope they'll still apply your credit to the future. I hope that's what they mean by it. Because um, I mentioned in the last podcast, to be fair, they have been very clear that if you don't go to these games, you're not waiving any seniority. You're not waiving any right to the new stadium, which I think is the yeah. right call. Um, so I'm very happy about that. Anything else before we put this thing to bed? I don't think so. I'm all good. Sweet. Yeah, I'm all good. All right. Let me get my mate um sound effect ready to go and for dakota stewart you can find him on twitter at dakota stewart and cam mckay who can be found at cam mckay 97 i'm todd fickenberg at Tarek 33 don't forget to use the hashtag sp 4 c stay safe and see you next time Vamos, Colombo. yeah that was weak <laughs>